0: Welcome back everyone to another episode of the final third podcast in today's episode we are going to go ahead and be recapping week one of the MLS for all three Texas clubs and then we're going to go ahead and cover a little bit of the inter Miami front office news today with me is my co host Oscar Aguilar Oscar how are we doing today ready to chat some MLS week one.
1: You know, I have to apologize to everyone. I was such a downer last week, and the Dynamo proved me wrong. I have never been happier to Ab- be wrong.
0: Absolutely. We're definitely going to have to backtrack some of the statements from episode one. And we also have our other co-host, Javier Adame, ready to talk all things Austin, Austin FC in a little bit.
2: Oh, yeah. I'm really excited. Um, you know... They did lose, but there's many positives to take, take, take away from the match. And, um, yeah, yeah, I'm really excited to see how the rest of the season goes for And Not with just Austin, but with the Dino and Dallas, too. I think that they're very promising signs for all the teams. Yeah, 100, about,
0: so. 100%. There's so much to talk about, and it was a super eventful Inaugural week for the MLS. So let's go ahead and jump right into the recap. We can cover the teams in order that they played their fixtures. So that means we're gonna start off with Oscar and the Houston Dynamo versus the San Jose Earthquake. Oscar, I want to take it off from here?
1: Yep, for sure. Um, you know, the Dynamo won two one against San Jose Earthquakes, but I think the 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 best takeaway is that there were more positives and negatives mm-hmm. out of this first game. Um the MLS season for the team. Um, the Dynamo clearly fixed their defensive struggles from 2020, um, and, and all the concerns discussed from last time were addressed one way or another by Todd Ramos. In the previous episodes, for those who joined us, uh, we had talked about how the Dynamo gave up the most goals on the counter or in the fast break, and this was largely because uh, they really lacked any pressure, pressure when the opposition had the ball. And tried to cover the spaces more than anything else, Ramos started off the game by uh, I think the most unique and surprising tactical change. He paired Oscar Boiak Garcia, who has historically been a midfielder with uh, Parker who has a you know a solid track record of being a solid defender in the MLs and we saw that you know they really uh, helped each other uh, in their strengths and weaknesses. And that led to a really solid uh, two, uh, back four uh, alongside Valentin and Adam.
0: Yeah, it was, That said- mm-hmm. Go ahead, go ahead. What's up? No, no, go no. ahead,
1: go ahead. You can oh, oh, that said, um, I think the biggest takeaway from the back four, uh, it, you know, is Boniak who has uh, really pushed up as a ball-winning center back when needed. Um, and you can see that from the stats. Uh, Going into the season, we all thought Parker would be the, the leading man out of the center backs or for, for whoever started. But in reality, you know, Boniak actually won. Uh, I would say 75 percent of his duels going into the going out of the game. While Parker actually didn't win any of the duels. Uh, so that's a good takeaway to see that Oscar didn't um, lag behind uh, in his new position or new role.
0: So what are we gonna say Sylvia? Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna mention that we were watching the game together and it was pretty obvious that Garcia dropped right next to Parker, um, especially during the build up play, and was for the most part effective. Uh, this kind of allowed obviously it allows the outside uh, backs to kind of push a little higher, and from there they've been they were able to move San Jose. San Jose set up to find key players like Memo Rodriguez, who we'll talk about in a little bit uh with space in between the lines but yeah it was it was pretty obvious that our, uh Garcia dropped uh, dropped next to Parker and i think uh, this kind of like you said helped prevent um exp- uh San Jose exploiting that space left in behind uh from the Dynamo which was obviously a big a, a big uh a big con or a big issue they had last season and yes, yeah, so like after our season preview talking about the Dynamo, we might have to think or rethink our outlook for this team, but it is still a little early, you know. We might just need to see a couple more of these type of performances to at least convince me to make a complete 180 on the Dynamo.
1: For sure. What's up, Paul?
2: Uh, uh, quick question. Did mm-hmm. This Dynamo team finished... Last last year, right?
0: That is correct. Yeah, they did. Yeah, and be- of, I won the defensive I I wouldn't have
2: thought from watching that game that they finished last. I think because they looked like they were, like they were after the ball when they didn't have the ball, mm-hmm. and and I think one of one of you had made this comment when we were watching it together that even though they were set up in like a four three three, it kind of turned into like when they didn't have the ball four four two. And when they would pre- and they would press, yeah, and they would counter press and everything had the ball, and then their players were going after. When one was going after the ball, the other they, they relied on their other guy being there to mark the next guy that the ball is going to get passed to. And it was it looked it it looked like it was working for the for a good amount of the game. Yeah, um, exactly. And I have to credit them with that. I have to credit them for that.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then I think the like even more impressive was. You know, like Todd Ramos going into the season, he said he wanted to pressure more. But you, you, I think we all know that you can go, you, you can dig yourself a bigger hole if you pressure too much. I think that's what Austin OC did in the first game. But Houston Dynamo had a good balance of knowing when to pressure when there was a bad touch, when there was an actual opportunity to counterattack. But they also knew when to sit back and, and not give up uh, too much space and, you know, risk uh, uh, their own counter uh, for San Jose.
0: Yeah, 100%. And one of the things I really liked, kind of shifting to the individual performances of the game, was Memo Rodriguez's creative filter going forward. And it was basically the main threat for the Dynamo, especially in the opponent's third. He provided a number of opportunities for the Dynamo uh, to capitalize on, and he also managed to score... A pretty important goal, and I think the first goal of this MLS season, and that kind of won him a place in the MLS Team of the Week for uh, Week One.
1: For sure, uh, I mean, Memo Rodriguez has been, you know, a homegrown player for the team. He's clearly, I would say, you know, the franchise player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and more impressive is how he really works with that with that attack that Javi was mentioning. It was a very fluid attack. Uh, at times, you would see Picault on the left or on the right. You would see Pasha on the left and the right. Um, and they would constantly alternate, really confusing the San Jose defense. Yeah, um, And it really gave Memo the time to set up plays or at least convert on their own. One interesting stat for y'all uh, when comparing Houston to the rest of the league, obviously only after week one, is that their conversion rate is average um like from looking at the game they had a lot of chances and they might have seemed wasteful but in reality their conversion rate is 12 percent, which uh is above average and you know you need to be above average to make the playoffs, so that's a, yeah. a very good thing to see from the start
0: yeah yeah a hundred percent and uh, of course there's a lot of positives coming out of uh, a winning result for the dynamo but there is a couple things that i personally kind of disliked uh, from the Dynamo side. So the first thing I'm going to kind of point out here is in the first half, and again, we watched these games together and I was kind of chatting with uh, with Oscar and, and Javi about this, you guys will probably remember, is I noticed how deep Uridi, Uridi was uh, when in possession during the first half. He was kind of playing a deeper role. And when you do play that deeper role, you're kind of forced to pick out passes. And especially when the lines are pushed up high, Uh, like your center backs their lines are pushed up high and retaining possession and I don't think this suited him really well we got I mean you guys saw he often lost possession and wasn't able to make the right pass or deal with with players pressing but uh, Ramos noticed this being an issue and then in the second half instructed him to play you know what we know as a, a more classic number nine role in the second half and you know making this change kind of Uh, impacted the game positively for the Dynamo. I mean, he scored a goal, and he could have easily had one or two more uh, with some better finishing.
1: For sure. And I think getting onto that, I mean, not only on the attack, but I mean, in the the first 30 minutes, uh, Rudy, you know, he he fell into what you said. That was bad, but I think Ramos caught onto that even before the first half. You started seeing that change at the 30-minute mark one concern I do have is what that, what that, I mean, it's not a front three, it's really a front four. Mm -hmm. What it's going to look like once Quintero comes in, who's coming out. Do you have any thoughts on who, who you would replace?
0: Um, Well, I mean, out of the four forwards, I, I mean, I would, I guess I would replace Rudy just because I can't see the, uh, I can't see Rudy. uh taking the position of the others. I, I, I want can t- kind of cantero in that role, but I, I guess it just depends on Todd Ramos and how he approaches each game. Yeah, that
1: makes sense. Yeah, in, um, in my opinion. No, for sure. I mean, I think the build up was quick for the team, and I think w- another takeaway from that build up and that offense we saw mm-hmm. is that, you know, I think 70% of the time it was effective it was lethal. It was efficient, mm-hmm. but that other thirty percent, yeah, they, they were playing at such a high tempo that they let that they made, I would say, careless mistakes or kind of I don't want to say lazy, but careless passes,
0: yeah, they, that were, that could were,
1: have led to more.
0: They were kind of caught with their pants down a little bit, and that almost that almost caused the the tying go from Big Wando, who luckily missed that uh, missed that tying goal. Yeah, so I was going to touch kind of touch on that a little bit. That's another takeaway that I really didn't like on the Dynamo. And that 30%, they really forced that verticality during the buildup uh, phase. And, you know, forcing passes instead of recycling possession at times or even trying to control the tempo when options aren't available up the pitch, uh, that often causes possession loss. And for the Dynamo, that led to a high number of quality opportunities um against them from San San Jose and again most notably that was the game tying miss by by Wando.
1: Exactly. Um I mean two things to touch on that. One you mentioned recycling possession. Mm-hmm. Houston Dynamo has the fourth lowest possession out of all the teams in the MLS going out of week 1. It was a 40%. Only Orlando City DC United and Miami had lower. All when compared to like the other Texas teams where Austin FC and FC Dallas were really high at 55 and 56%. So you can see there's a, a huge uh difference in style of play. That said, I think the biggest concern out of those mistakes is when Valentine and Adam are pushed too far up. It was very rare. Um it, at worst it was asymmetrical where one would push up but one would stay back. But on the Wando counter, when you have a San Jose team that's so physical and so quick, uh, I, w- I was a little confused on why the Dynamo would risk pushing both of their fullbacks up and reverting to the mistakes they made in 2020 where they really got cut off the counter, even if they have Oscar and Parker who are better than what they had last year.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, that's definitely something they're going to they're gonna have to, to work on coming into uh, week two of the MLS fixtures. Javi, anything else you want to add on the Dynamo here before we move on?
2: no i would just say that i i did i really enjoyed watching them that mm-hmm. first game yeah. like i said like i got yeah. saying before that i i wouldn't have thought that this was a team that got last i think they're coming here with a different mentality um they kind of want to play the coach wants his players to play that they want to play and we're we saw it even though they did have less kind of a possession than the other texas teams um it's still it was still an exciting brand of football to watch. So. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be exciting to see uh the next game. Who do they play next game? Actually,
1: the Houston Dynamo play LAFC, so it'll be interesting to see how that team fares once they have Vela and maybe Rossi back into the roster.
0: Yeah, I, I'd say overall for me, it was a very obviously a very impressive Dynamo's performance versus a San Jose Earthquake team that uh, had been characterized as a well above average squad by many experts coming into the season of the MLS. So. I mean, the San Jose Earthquake aren't, aren't aren't a joke, right? So very impressive from the Dynamo. Oscar, any any last additions before we move on?
1: I mean, just to touch on your note right now, I mean, actually, the San Jose Earthquake were not only, like, touted as one of the top teams, but I would say one of the teams that were best suited to beat the Dynamo because they were so dynamic and so uh, good on the counter. So that's mm-hmm. good to see. It. And lastly, you know, I apologize to the Dynamo fan base <laughs> for not having yeah. more faith.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, I to, hope I don't jinx it, but I think we were, have a good luck.
0: You were pretty optimistic towards the end. Give yourself a little credit. You kind of talked yourself into, and I think you did predict a 3-1 Dynamo win, which if uh, a couple of the players had a little better finishing, could have easily come true. For sure. I'm excited for next week. Yeah, it should. It should definitely a really good game, and I can't wait to get with you guys and, and watch that one. All right. Let's move on to Austin FC versus LAFC that ended 0-2 in favor of LAFC and we're going to throw this one to our Austin FC fanatic, Javi. Javi, what did you think about the inaugural game for Austin FC?
2: Yeah, so there are a lot of questions coming into this game on, you know, how was the coach going to set up, set up his team, who was he going to start? And how were they going to perform against, you know, another MLS team uh, being LAFC, a really good team, mm-hmm. probably one of the favorites to win the the league. Um, but we got some answers for some of those questions. We saw that they did go out with their project. We saw a lot of projections on who their starting 11 was going to be. They did start with the front three who. We all thought they were going to start with, with Dominguez, Jose, and Redes. Mm-hmm. They did end up going with the first uh, first round draft pick, their first pick with Pereira in that uh, middle three, along with Pochettino and Ring. It was going to be a toss-up between either him or Fagundes, but I had guessed that it was going to be Pereira. I thought he was more suited for for uh, that midfield three. Mm-hmm. And then they end up going with the experience at center back rather than the, um, the youngster. Um, Jose, uh, I think Castanier but they end up going with Romania. But um, but yeah, so we saw we saw that eleven take on LAFC, and to be fair, you know, I think Austin FC could have come away with with points, possibly even win. There was a lot of chances that I thought they could have put it back in the net. There were periods of the game, where most of the game, where they were looking like they were controlling. You know, the game. There was probably most of the first half we saw them playing how they wanted to play. Uh they wanted to be, you know, very attacking, but also, you know, control the pace. They wanted to, you know, play from the back. You saw from all their goal kicks, mm-hmm. the goalie would just pass to the center back, it was right there on the goal line, and then from there they distributed to the fullbacks or to the midfield. And you saw LAFC press, you know, that play, and then you would in most cases the Austin SC would come out of it. Now there were a lot of issues Uh, there. This wasn't a perfect game. Obviously they lost, but Mm -hmm. the, some of the issues that Austin had, you know, where it it seemed like it was kind of stalling. Their offense was in the final third, you know, they got to that point where, you know, they were distributing across the field, not just going forward, but they were going wide. And I think that's one of the problems is they weren't going forward sometimes. Mm -hmm. And in the times they did go forward, Mm -hmm uh, in that final third, it would, they, they were very, um, they, they would give it back to the team as in like, I they see. would give it up too easy. And then with their wing backs, or with their fullbacks pushed up mm-hmm. and you giving, you giving the yeah, ball away. That's, that's carelessly a lot of space. to that's LAFC. A lot. Mm-hmm. You, you leave yourself into the counter attack. And we saw that a lot of times, but like I said, this is a, a problem that can be easily fixed with just being more patient. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that but, seems
0: to be a theme it, going on, right? The, the force ver- verticality, because I, I see out here and sorry to cut you off, Avi, but I see out here a lot of statistics that do show that most goals um, in, 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 in the MLS, at least for previous seasons have come from progressive passing. So maybe there is kind of like this, this idea that progressive passing will lead to goals, but I think you got to pick and choose your moments, right? Always first forcing vertically can, can cause some issues and, as you as as you saw in the Austin FC game, uh, that caused a lot of problems for the for the team.
2: Yeah, and you know, and I think it has to do with a, a reason why that was happening. They were being you know they were giving the ball away so easy. Was that they were playing a certain way in the preseason, mm-hmm. and they were so used to I guess maybe the opponents not catching on to what they were trying to do. But when you're playing a team like LAFC, who's you know they've played in this, they they've able to compete for the title. Mm-hmm. It seems like every year they've been in the league and they're a really good team and you know they're able to sniff out some, you know, something a predictable pass. Yeah. So I think they were having trouble just in that final third trying to mix up their attacking. You know, I feel like when they were they would get they would be able to control it. They'd get past the midfield line and then they gotta go side to side. And then that I th- then they'd get to that point where they try to play the pass. Mm -hmm. forward and then nothing either nothing will come out of it they'd cross it they would cross it as oscar was saying they did cross a lot Mm -hmm. or when they would try to do something different it would they would give it back carelessly and then they'd be counted so i think and this is uh, this is something that they're gonna that they'll they'll mix up their attack when they start developing a chemistry on that final third they're gonna figure out you know okay what kind of runs does he like to make okay what what does uh what is hosting? What kind of runs does he want to make? Is he going to come short? Is he going to come? Is he going to? Is he going to make the run behind the center back? And what does Dominguez like to do when you know the fullbacks come up? we going to mix it up where you know he's going to go inverted, or is the fullback going to make the run in front of Dominguez when they're on the sideline? It's it, it the, all those tendencies they'll pick up on. You know, the more games they play, so mm-hmm. I think there's well, a, a a good vibe in the locker room. Well, not after the game, obviously they're disappointed, but the coach is saying that you know these guys need to realize that this is only their first game. Right. You know, you have to, you know, let you have, let reality set in and think to yourself that we just play LAFC. This is our first game. You know, it was 2-0, but this could have easily, we could have easily tied or um, even won. Yeah. But I, th- I think there are a lot of positives to take away from the game. And I don't think Austin FC should be hanging their head. And I think the fans should be excited mm-hmm. about what's to come in the rest of the season.
0: Go ahead, Oscar.
1: Oh, just to add. You mentioned progressive passes, which I think uh, you know American soccer analysis has done a great job at kind of showing what's efficient. Yeah. But there's a. I think we should make the clear distinction there that Austin FC is not following, like I would say, that guideline uh, on paper, mm-hmm. because the, the way Carpenter put it was. It would be more of like, you know, where the striker, whether it be Dominguez, etc. You know, they'd be between two center backs to do the progressive pass and the striker ends up being center backs. Mm -hmm. Austin FC, although they were clinical at crossing, I think that's that's a big positive. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like 5v5 in the box and the conversion rate for crossing was significantly lower. Um, when American Soccer Analysis broke that up separately as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think uh, I would have to look back, but I think only one team was actually clinical out of crosses, which is, a i guess, a concern for Austin, their seed. But like Javi said, um they'll figure out what their best style is mm-hmm. uh, moving once they have more chemistry. Now, a question for you, Javi Do you think Dominguez should be playing striker? Have uh, have Redes, uh at one of the wing sites and then put in Gallagher. Because when Gallagher came in, it was a completely different game. <laughs> I'm with that, man.
2: <laughs> I knew you were going to ask this question. Yeah. So, and 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 you're you're correct. The moment they made that that stuff for John Gallagher, uh, they they took out Holson for for Gallagher, and Gallagher moved into that center striker position. It seemed like. Cause during that period, and it was it was right after it was right after halftime, and it was like those first ten minutes, maybe a little after, maybe more than fifteen minutes, we didn't see the Austin FC that we saw in the first half. They a LAFC was kind of controlling the game, and they mm-hmm. were kind of controlling the possession, and they would and they, and they and they and they didn't see much of the ball. And I'm guessing whether whether the coach didn't see the work rates that he wanted from his strikers on pressing, you know lafc at at the midline or whatever but once they made that sub and put gallagher in it seemed like a completely different game and this kind of lit the fire under austin fc and then they were back to how they were in the first half where they were moving the ball side to side going from one end to the other and then they started you know being more they started having they started having more of the ball on lafc's side so yeah you know i to answer your question, I would move I would keep Dominguez on the left but put John Gallagher in the center.
1: That's that's interesting. I like
2: the way that John Gallagher kind of he, he maybe this was something that I didn't see, I didn't see much in Houston in the first half, but when Gallagher would go to the to get the ball he wasn't just he wasn't just you know staying in the center he would go to the either right edge of the box or he'd be going to the left he'd be moving left and right kind of just keeping moving keeping the center backs you know keeping the defense making them you know think oh no where's he going where's the strike going we need to make sure we're tracking that run or whatever and then when he'd get the ball and he'd kind of hold it there you know wait for someone else to make a run past him or wait for someone to support him he can hold up the play there and wait for you know kind of the play to catch up but then you know, that gets into like I think I what what I was also noticing in that second half when it started getting to like the 65th, 70th minute was that the players I kind of see that the like fatigue was kind of setting in, like they were getting mm-hmm. tired. I could tell that I felt like they were getting uh, a lot more worn 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 out. Mm-hmm. And maybe and I don't know whether it's like fitness levels aren't just quite there yet or whatever, but but they they I, I, I would be open. I would like to see that. That uh, John Gallagher get a start in the next game, especially against the because they play Rapids next, mm-hmm. and that should be a good game because mm-hmm. Dallas Dallas just played them. So yeah, I, w- I would go with John Gallagher in the center, and I would keep Dominguez on the left. But um, but yeah, no.
1: question. You you mentioned you mentioned how they were getting tired at the end of the game, which I saw the same thing. But I think that's the biggest concern for austin fc because we saw them pressure the most and just so much grit going all out the first 30 40 minutes and then it started getting inconsistent and that's when lafc started taking over the game but if if austin fc can't maintain that for 90 minutes and likely can't maintain that on a game-by-game basis uh do you, are you a little concerned about what other teams are gonna be able to do the night's awesome FC just doesn't have any gas left?
2: Well that's an interesting point because I think you know the moment after that first goal came in from LAFC, it kind of seemed that LAFC after that point were kinda like, okay, let's not go let's not press them or maybe they got fatigued but i didn't see as much pressing as they were doing before the first goal and Mm -hmm. maybe they're okay maybe if we sit back a little maybe if we you know let them let them make the mistake yeah because they've they've probably already noticed it in the first half and said okay we saw that they've given the ball back carelessly to us let them do it again and we and that's how the second goal occurred even though i was at the very end of the game but that is how Mm -hmm. the second goal had occurred they gave up the ball carelessly and then mm-hmm. Austin FC caught themselves on a two v one and this second second goal like that. But um, I yeah I think they need to. I, I I think this is they need to also look at the Dynamo, kind of see how you know how they press. Mm-hmm. You know they're very timely with their press. Yeah, they're sometimes they're not always you know constantly running because because if you if you're doing that and we know this if you're constantly just telling your team to you know press 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 press, press and then. They're going to be so worn out by the time they try to get to attack, they're going to be like, well, shoot, I'm right. already like, uh, yeah. like uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm worn out. Well, how am I supposed to be making runs to there go has, forward?
0: There has to be some kind of like a so unit or uniform pressing type of thing where it's he, th- this guy and then you cover this space. And then so when one guy's pressing, the other one's co- covering the cut space. The other players aren't, aren't getting worn out completely. It's not a constant press that we're seeing. It's more of a uniform... Uh, uh, system type pressing
2: yeah so yeah so like that the concerning part for me is had lafc not kind of and maybe it was smart for them to kind of you know just do the sit back and let Austin make the mistakes but i felt like had they not done that and they just kept on it, uh-huh. it, it i felt like it could have been worse mm. I, I felt like it could have like lafc couldn't got more goals but because L.A.F.C. kind of just took a a step back, you know, with letting Austin go to them. It kept the door kind of open for Austin F.C. to score a goal, Mm -hmm. and I think, and I think Austin has to. They they need to notice that. Okay, you know, they did kind of you know take their foot off the gas after their first goal, but we need to make sure that um, we don't let those we don't let those periods of them having the ball or the opposition having the ball for so long uh, take that cold up like 10 minutes of the second half because it was literally from 45 minutes until they scored the first goal that it seemed like LAFC was just on Austin's side. And it was just like, I'm just here saying like, can, can this doesn't look like the first half team that I saw. So I'm just, I'm, I'm hoping that, that, the, uh, and maybe this goes down to Alex ring, you know, kind of motivating his team, you know, Hey, like let's, let's, let's try to get the ball and keep the ball. Cause it seemed like every time they were getting the ball, in those 15 minutes from the 45th minute to the 60th minute, they get the ball and then they lose it, and it would be because LAFC was, you know, they're pressing them on their half. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's something that they need to take that they need to take in consideration when they play at Colorado next week. Even though Colorado will be a slightly easier opponent than LAFC, it's mm-hmm. still something to think about. But yeah, to make a quick to make a quick more. note of because I've I've heard that you are giving like Match like giving up like, your player of the team like who performed mm-hmm, yeah. the best. I would give it to Alex Ring, okay, because it seems like he was everywhere on the pitch. Whether it be breaking up the passes in defense and then playing that ball to the attack, even though he's playing that CDM role. So I I think I'd get I think he played very well and he does and he was wearing the captain Mar- arm band which fully deserved. He was the leader out there. Um but yeah, I'm excited to see how 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 this team performs in the in the next games to come.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. A lot of positives to take away for Austin FC, and yeah, just kind of focus focus on the positives, but also look at how you can improve from the negatives and 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 just go ahead and move on and and move on to the next to the next fixture. I, I think it was it was definitely uh, if I were you know if I were a diehard Austin FC fan, there's definitely a lot of things to keep your your head up on and and not be and not be too discouraged by by loss against LAFC. Oscar, any, any last notes here before we move on to uh, to the next topic? Let me let me
1: bring up the elephant in the room again. Mm-hmm. Does yeah. Austin FC need to fill their last DP slot? Yes or no? <laughs> yes. Yeah. After really, you know, that's a big deviation. You said you were going to give a hose in six games. You know, after 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 watching
2: the game on Saturday. Um, now, did, see, you didn't give me a timetable. You did, didn't tell me if it had did, to be my next game, did, but they, I would say they need to start looking already into who they can, especially, especially at striker. No, they need no. to mm-hmm. start looking already on who they can get um, no. for the Desne player spot.
0: Now, Oscar, are you bringing this up? Because it seemed like Austin was very successful in carrying Uh, themselves into the opponent's final third with the ball but from there they were missing a little bit of quality individualism a bit to kind of spice things up in the final third
1: I think Austin FC needs to fill their DP spot now or soon like Javi said I think the only reason I'm saying soon is Mm because I think Gallagher should start and he could really make a difference to the team now answering your question I think Austin FC needs a player that has good channel movement. They have two great wingers that can create the plays. They have a midfield that can control the tempo. They have high pressure. But if you look at the game offensively, no one, not no one single player was making that run that right. could really make the difference and you know create a high quality opportunity, right? Um, I don't know the XG from from memory, but I can probably confidently say that the chances created by Austin FC were not of the highest quality, and they're gonna need someone that can get in and in, get into space, get in a position that, that can really uh, at least you know tap in the ball no no one really even gallagher who i think did great and like javi said has a lot of upside in it's in his movement i think they should at least look for for an alternative solution as well
0: right so someone that can read the game well know when to make those off the ball movements and attack those channels exactly perfect on to fc dallas versus colorado rapids and that ended in a nil-nil draw. The game as a whole was pretty lackluster. lackluster uh, excuse me, and honestly, expected a little better from FC Dallas in terms of performance. But with that said, and again, also being so early in the MLS season, there were some important positives and negatives to highlight. So quickly, uh, a couple things that I liked was. Lucci's utilization of width and pressing against the Colorado Rapids. So when in possession, the FC Dallas wingbacks, which you guys uh, we all noticed, Nelson and I think Holgenshed or Holgenshed were pushed up high and wide, which in turn made these you know half spaces between the center backs and fullbacks easier to attack. Right, they gave they gave more space for the inverted wingers and forwards. Uh, that Dallas did exploit pretty well. They exploited that half space pretty well. However, this did cause a lot of issues in the build-up phase, and we were kind of ch- chatting about this with Oscar during the game. Um, specifically in in FC Dallas's own third, um, they had they had troubles just just getting something going. It was almost like it was the back three recorte. And then the rest of the team was so far up that there was like nothing to bridge from there. That was that was uh that was definitely a negative. And most of the dangerous opportunities uh, for Dallas were not from from uh, the utilization of, of of the width, but from the organized and intense pressing, which is something I really did like. And I, I think we we touched on this Oscar. We knew that this was his trademark. Or this was a trademark of Lucci's tactical profile, um, but in a game where building out from the back resulted in very little going forward, I think this is certainly a positive to take away from the game against the Colorado Rapids. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of positives going out of it, and like you said, I mean the Colorado Rapids, you um, un- like were uniquely called out by a lot of uh, different sources as a ones to watch, so it is a good outcome for them. I will say m- my biggest, um, I guess, positive takeaway is that Acosta did pretty well, which mm-hmm. he, I know you had some concerns. I think he held his own. I mean, kind of like Ricouarde, he's not, not going to be scoring 20 goals a season, mm-hmm. but he held it down alongside Ricouarde to, to where um, there weren't really that many threats from Colorado at all, which was surprising to me. One thing um, I, I'm also impressed by is Hara. I think, um, take away the, the lack of goals. He created a lot of opportunities. Mm-hmm. He was always in good positions, which is good to see, because that's something that wasn't necessarily the case last year. Um, it's more about experimenting, I think. Uh, I mean, O'Brien didn't do bad, but I think Ricardo Pepe should 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 get a bigger opportunity yeah. the few minutes he had that game. Yeah.
0: like. Like I, I said, think they were good. Yeah, like I like I like I mentioned, the way the game was set up uh, for FC Dallas, um, a, l- a lot of the focus was on exploiting that half space, um, especially the inverted wingers or forwards or whatever you want to call them. That was kind of the plan, right? Because they pushed those those wing backs so far and wide that that they just created that space. But mm-hmm. that being the case, and sometimes the inverted wingers and forwards did exploit that that, that space very well. The problem is getting to that point, getting the ball forward. That was the issue for FC Dallas. And speaking a little bit on Hara, um, I kind of want to highlight his individual performance. And he, again, he was kind of like that memo player, that chance creator for Dallas. He often received the ball um, with the with the inverted wingers or forwards always ahead of him and always providing progressive passing options that resulted in high, pretty high scoring opportunities throughout the match uh that with maybe a little better decision making in the box could have resulted in in, in some goals um here's kind of a and and here's kind of like a little solution i thought of i'm not sure this is a little far fetched but th- in my opinion since fc dallas were kind of outnumbered in the midfield a little bit because with the back 3 and then we saw requarte drop pretty deep almost like as a like a, as a fullback at times uh, I think Oscar pointed out during the game that it kind of left FC Dallas on like a 415 with a coast in the middle and, and in a in a super uh in a super compact Rapids midfield and they couldn't really find anything and then most of mo- when they tried to build up most of the times we saw we saw them just try to to try to get a long ball because the Rapids weren't also or the Rapids were kind of pressing up they weren't just falling on the on the lower blo- block where this type of this type of build up tactic would work. So they needed more numbers. So I think maybe dropping a little bit, uh, dropping horror a little bit, um, uh, might have worked there. What do you What do you think about uh or how how do you feel about Dallas's build up uh, throughout the game, Oscar?
1: I I think I have a one concern or like one issue with with how the game was set up. Um, I'm all about the wingbacks. You know, mm-hmm. we play football manager. I'm a long <laughs> ball man. You know, um, and FC Dallas has the perfect system and the perfect players mm-hmm. to at least cross the ball a little bit more. Mm-hmm. To give you some context, I mean, I mentioned it. I know we're about to touch on Austin FC. Mm-hmm. Austin's crossing is probably the best I've seen in the MLS. Um, it's it's very efficient and it's high volume. And I think they're not necessarily better suited than FC Dallas to do that. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the volume, just a straight up volume, Austin FC had about 25 crosses. FC Dallas had 16, even though I think they had more numbers up than the Austin FC had the entire game. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying they should only cross, but I think they should work that in to, like you said, find more options yeah Um, they 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 were I don't want to say two-dimensional but they had more options available that they just I guess they they didn't want to take going into the game
0: yeah that's kind of a thing I disliked about the game uh, something that uh, kind of a negative that I took it was I I get I get the I get the point of having the wingbacks up and spreading the rapids defense wide so the wingers can kind of run into the space, but there was almost a lack of involvement from their wingbacks and almost most of it. And like all the stages of the game Um, with, with Lucci's midfield being nullified, in my opinion, this, this is where the lack of wingback involvement was missed, especially in the buildup where Rapids refused to lower their front pressing line. Having another option on the ball playing side would have, I think helped free some space for the two midfielders to get into areas to progress the ball and then get get the ball to those wingbacks in, in dangerous in dangerous areas where where a uh, a high quality uh cross could have been made.
1: Question. Mm-hmm. So uh for for those who watched both the Houston game and the FC Dallas game, I think there's something FC Dallas could actually learn could actually learn from Houston there. Mm-hmm. Um so I think one of the major reasons, like the, the wingbacks had the problem you're mentioning is uh, Colorado Rapids was so compact in the middle mm-hmm. is that they maybe didn't see the opportunity to cross and they were just recycling the ball back and forth. But when they recycled it, they recycled it back to Requarte or to whatever, you know, center back whoever was playing deep, mm-hmm. which I think was the reason why, you know, we saw high possession, but, mm-hmm. you know, low, low opportunity. Yeah. That said, if you look at the Houston Dynamo game, we didn't have those high wing backs but we had four up front. We had let's say Pasher, we had Memo, and we had Rudy creating a triangle all the way up in the final third on either the left or the right wing. Or you know you can put him peak out, but it it was it was alternating. What if they start making those similar triangles to at least create some some like pathway right. to create a chance and get in the box you know
0: right that's that's basically what they miss because during you know with the possession of movement they would be left in like a 3-2-5 or even a 4-1-5 against a very congested rapids midfield and this left dallas outnumbered and i think that's one of that's one of the reasons why we saw Requarte forced to drop deep to receive the ball there was no space in the middle so if they it, it, if th- that's also a solution, is keeping the front four. But if we saw, if we saw one of the wing backs, uh, depending on what the the strong side is, right where the ball is, uh, what side the ball is being played, drop deeper. The uh, the outside center back, the the wing back, and one of the midfields, depending on the sign requarte or Acosta, could have made those triangles to kind of help uh, progress the ball forward, giving and then giving giving time for the wing back to push a little more up switching the ball and then going forward from there.
1: Yep, for sure.
0: Yep, pretty uh pretty pretty much kind of just trying to find solutions to to Dallas's uh build up um build up errors or lack of a uh, a build up, but going ahead and looking at another individual performance was Mauer in goal. He was an absolute wall. He made six huge saves, and they were they were high quality high quality chances for Rapids. And these saves kept Dallas in the game, and ultimately ultimately resulted in a clean sheet for him. And this performance earned him a featured spot in the MLS Team of the Week. Thoughts on Maurer, um, Oscar, Javi? He
1: he, world class, world class, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. He really put the team on his back, in my opinion. He came in big for the saves. He, I don't think he even showed up like an, at any moment like a lack of confidence. And for a season opener, that's very positive to see. Um, I also don't think necessarily he was put in a bad position either. I think his, his back four or back five did a great job. So I think defensively, Lucci's team is going to be very hard to beat, um, even on the counter because like you said Requart Ricard- always comes back usually or you have uh Acosta there so it'll it'll be a hard team to score on for sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I did mm-hmm. I I did see some of the I was watching some of the highlights of the FC Dallas game and I did see him come up with some of the big saves. So I think his uh his spot on the team of the week for this first match day is well deserved.
0: Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. He 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 well deserved, and I I think he might be one of the more underrated keepers in the league. But uh, we'll see how how he keeps performing through throughout the week. So quickly, let's kind of just quickly go ahead and touch on what FC Dallas kind of have to improve uh, next week if they want to get those three points. Definitely solve their build up issues. Uh, find a way to deal. Uh, with the numerical overload of the opponent in the midfield, maybe get their wing backs a little more, a little more involved, and and going forward, I think they were pretty competent. Maybe just a, a tad bit better in finishing, and and I think they'll they'll be set up for a for a pretty a pretty good game here next week. What do you think, Oscar?
1: I think I mean wait for a recap at the uh, end of the week. But I think the the San Jose Earthquakes are going to pose a very interesting challenge for Lucci's yeah. team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're very well suited or at least better suited looking out a uh, week one for FC Dallas than they were for Houston Dynamo. So that'll be interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. All right. And with that, we're going to go ahead and move on to the next topic. I don't I'm not sure if uh, Oscar, you want to start this one off or, or should I?
1: sure um i'll start it off and i'll I'll send y'all questions on your thoughts along the way all right perfect. so um i don't know if y'all heard but miami fc Mm uh was recently you know it was found that they violated the roster and budget rules in 2020 um as a reminder for for the for the new fans of the channel um the mls has three designated designated player slots uh for each team, the third of which they have to buy for about 100 K. But what the designated player slot does is that there's no salary cap right now. The salary cap for a senior player is about 500 K, but you know, equal in, uh, Matui Matuidi, etc. They they get paid more well than 500k. They mm-hmm. get paid millions. Mm-hmm. And that the, the league tries to implement some sort of balance by adding those designated player slots and by having uh, a 4.95 million salary cap for the year. Mm-hmm. What what that? But there are some workarounds for that. Um, what Miami FC wanted to do was they wanted to use allocation monies. Uh, to make up the difference of Mantuidi's salary and bring him down to the 500k level, Mm -hmm. right? Now there's two different uh, two different budget sources. You could do this. You could do this with general allocation money, which, by the name, you could use it for basically anything. And then there's then there's targeted player allocation money, Mm -hmm. which is specifically to bring down the salaries. Uh, and, and free up a designated place which slot, was,
0: which was kind of what they what they try to designate uh Matuidi to, right? That 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 type of uh, allocation. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: The the problem is for the for the TAM or the targeted uh, allocation mm-hmm. money. The cap in twenty twenty was one point six million, and Matuidi, if, when you combine the one point six million and the five hundred K cap, he exceeded that in salary. So uh Miami FC was forced to uh react and let go of Pellegrini they mm-hmm. put him down to the Ford Lauderdale USL team right,
0: which is Pellegrini a, cost what's up yep. no just yeah. noting it was their division team yep
1: yeah and then and then Pellegrini I mean he wasn't a cheap player he's no, 21 no, but they brought him in for like six to nine million dollars yeah so it's definitely a loss for the team
0: they, they brought him in for yeah about like seven million uh dollars from Estudiantes and he is fairly young. He's the youngest out of the four DPs um, in the 2020 roster.
1: Exactly. So there's hopes that they can sell him off. What Miami FC decided to do was they, they in a sense, bought out his contract, mm-hmm. but they retained the rights to the player so they could still sell him off uh, during the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, what that means, the, the one like caveat to that is that they cannot loan him or sell him to another mls team they need to loan or sell him to uh another league. Mm-hmm. that's the downside but they will at least recuperate uh, a portion of that six to nine million dollars that they invested in him now that's just the immediate reaction of what they had to do to to get into compliance with the mls roster rules right. that's not a punishment that was applied by the mls no in fact no one really knows what they're gonna do. Uh, I'll quickly recap some of the possible, I guess, solutions people have brought up, and then I'll ask uh, Silvio and Javi their thoughts on how how heavily Miami FC should should be punished. Okay. Um, one of the things they 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 said they could be doing was reduced their general allocation money uh, for this year, and I believe next year. Um, another thing was re- remove one of their designated player slots for the year, so they would have to play with uh, you know one star down uh, for the next season. And lastly, um, they they talked about fines, but you know for an, for a team like Miami FC that has the capital, a fine seems like a slap on the wrist, and and most people thought they should be punished in the in in more of the sporting space where they will will be hurting from a roster standpoint. My personal opinion, um, I I definitely think they should be punished. Uh, I think the designated player rule is crucial uh, to keep the MLS competitive. If you haven't checked out our blog, our first piece Mm -hmm. is on how the MLS is really different from other leagues in the sense that it really fosters competition, unlike top European leagues. Especially and, with everything going on now, and quickly, find um, that
0: on uh, finalthirdpod.com dot com in the blog section.
1: What a shout out! I love it. Thank you, Sylvia.
0: <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going.
1: Um, but in my personal opinion, I definitely think I wouldn't go as far as taking away a DP slot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's a that's a huge punishment. But I do think their their gam money or general allocation money should def- definitely be reduced uh, a significant amount, just so it deters diff- other teams from to, you know, do the same thing. What are y'all's thoughts?
0: Um, I'm going to go ahead and jump right in, Javi. Sorry, but uh, so kind of I-, I just read about this story and reading through it, it seems like there's a couple things to kind of uh, kind of peel back. So the first thing is this seems kind of a, an obvious, mis- uh, like too, too obvious to just be a, a mistake from the front office. Right. It's, it's, I feel like it's not as complex and being, being such a simple mistake almost makes it seem a little intentional. Would you agree, Oscar? 100%. Like, almost like they did it intentionally because it's, it's obvious that that wasn't allowed and, and being an, an intentional uh, squad construction violation I am scared that this is gonna go ahead and maybe encourage other teams. I know it's a little bit detached from from this step to encouraging other teams to do it, but if if there's precedent of, of this happening and getting a slap on the wrist, uh, what kind of example does that does that make for the rest of the league? And and could could eventually cause a, cause a slippery, a slippery slope? Excuse me, uh, for this happening regularly, and I think that's kind of the last thing I want to see happen with the MLS uh because at least for the fan ass or, or for the in the aspect of the fans that's going to take away from all the the actual football talk and this and the strategy and the tactics and it's going to come down to money and that's kind of a very boring topic uh to talk about and i would hate the mls to to kind of uh to kind of uh turn into this kind of just trying to get the best players and trying to bypass the system um if 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 Interman we get a slip a slap on the wrist from this and and team see this and go ahead and take advantage of it. hobby.
1: Oh, I was actually muted.
2: Uh That's all right. Uh yeah. I was I would yeah, you know my first thought on what the punishment should be, you know, when reading this. Uh I was I was thinking about you know removing one of the designated players maybe mm-hmm. removing one of those slots but it's it would be difficult to implement to do it already like this year because I'm I'm guessing they've already have all three filled right yeah. with Iguain with yes. uh, and uh, Pizarro uh, Pizarro mm-hmm. yeah um but like you said I the, you don't want this to become like a trickle effect where it trickles across the league like you don't want to just give them a slap in the wrist and then their teams can be like oh well you know you know that's all they're gonna do let's say we do the you know let's let's do the same thing as well but obviously not gonna be as open but they might say that they made a mistake and stuff so i think i think i'm gonna i will side with oscar on this yeah yeah same here and say that you know they should they should probably take a good chunk of their general allocation money. I'm trying to think what else, like, too. What else, like, what other things could they do? I mean, do we... They could, are their draft picks or their... Um, um, they could take
1: away their draft picks, but I don't think the draft picks uh, are as significant to a team like Miami, mm-hmm, given no. their, their 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 budget sources. They have, I would say, one of the best 3DPs in the league. yeah. I the, the one thing that they could do is take away an international player slot because Miami is very, uh, I would say, foreign-heavy.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and, and that way, you don't necessarily force them to sell off a top player like Pizarro or Higuain, but you do force them to sell, you know, not necessarily a lesser player, but a significant player to the squad that might not lead to, you know... Uh, significant losses on, on the transfer window
2: yeah okay yeah i, I yeah I, I was just trying to think of you know you know what what really you know what uh, what other options could there be you know other than the, either taking away the designated player slot or just general allocation money but i think the taking a good amount of that you know available uh general allocation money would send them and and it has to be it has to be an amount that you know would would scare the other clubs from being like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, maybe it's. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want enough. it to be like only ten percent or like five percent. Like this needs to be like a yeah. a good chunk to cause you know to keep other teams from doing it. So, um, but yeah, I, I would I would probably go if I was in that you know position to put sanctions on that go that route. Mm-hmm.
1: Question for y'all though. I mean, well, two things. Uh, another option I forgot to. They were talking about a point reduction, but Mm -hmm. given their standing last year and given, you know, the repercussions that might have this season, most people were like, let's not do the point reduction. Another thing is, I think my even bigger concern, how is this not caught by the MLS sooner? You know, a year later, they're coming and saying, oh, they violated. Good thing they caught it, but, you know, they should have caught this day of. Mm -hmm. And instead of punishing Miami, they should have kept Miami from making the mistake because I know you mentioned Silvio, you know, um, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't look, it, it's such an obvious error that it yeah. kind of seems intentional, mm-hmm. but even then it, it could have been, right? let's it, say it was, I'm kind of Yeah.
0: But it could have been a simple mistake. It's, it's for a club run by David, like being David Beckham's MLS club and knowing the people in the front office in MLS clubs take their jobs very serious it's 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 just unlikely to me that it's it's a simple mistake. It could be, but it, it's just unlikely to me.
1: I'll just give them the benefit of the doubt right, and but, say it was a mistake.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But like my bigger concern is how the MLS is keeping track of this mm-hmm. because if if they're going into this a year later, I, I mean, I think they should they should still be able to help the teams from making this mistakes. Right. Um. And, and you know what I mean? Because now you're 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 kind of like. Confusing the two, did yeah. they do it on purpose? Did they not do it on purpose? If he caught it in time, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have affected exactly. the league. It wouldn't have tarnished. I don't want to say tarnished, but it would. It wouldn't have hurt. Kind of like the reputation of my of Miami in this case. Mm-hmm. Like what people are thinking was it on purpose? Was it not? I think it's a big miss from the MLS, and. and Something that I don't think has been really talked about. Everyone's kind of pointing fingers at Miami and no one's asking the MLS why they're not being more accountable with the team.
0: They've had this information for a while now. And and it's, yeah, you're right. It is a little shocking that they've taken uh, to the 2021 season uh, to address this issue with with, uh, Inter-Miami's squad construction, for sure.
1: Well... Um. All anything right. else y'all want to add or um, I
0: guess quickly it's going to be uh, another storyline from this is going to be how Matias Pellegrini uh, develops he's a young talented Argentine and is no longer eligible to play for Miami this season so we'll see how how this impacts the promising youngsters development and confidence moving forward from the situation that's kind of another storyline for
1: sure yeah yeah,
0: yeah all like right that. but if that's all we have uh, for the inner Miami front office uh, kind of disaster story here, we're gonna go ahead and end the pod. Oscar, you got you want to shout out your socials. Where can people find you?
1: Yeah, uh, OJ Aguilar sixteen, um, which uh, all, all the handles I'll make sure they are on the bio, so y'all don't have to you know
0: spell it out. Perfect. Javi, where can where can people find you?
2: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh my pretty sure my handle is my my Adame underscore Hav. Um I think on Instagram it's also probably Have You Boy on nine, but it'll be in the link uh, in the description of this podcast right. just because
0: Right and same for me. To it's gonna be on the link, but if you guys are listening, you guys can find me on Twitter at Sprieto Jr and you guys can also follow the podcast page on Twitter and Instagram at the final third pod and check out our website we're always uh writing up some spicy articles about the MLS uh player analysis and tactics you guys can find that at thefinalthirdpod.com all right good recap for week 1 guys can't wait um for week 2 and guys uh, if you're listening make sure to to watch um, our page because we will be uploading a week to preview for the MLS um, later this week. All right, thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you all in the next pod.